This morning, I want to look at the life of Joseph. Uh, the life of Joseph uh, is, uh, I think, one of the most challenging of lives for those of us who might be going through some turbulence and, and wonder, Lord, if, if you are with me, why am I going through this? Now, uh, we have been taught falsely by the hyper-faith stream of Christianity or the prosperity gospel, as they call it in the USA, that, that if God is with you, everything must turn out right. There is a measure of truth in that, but the key to understanding is timing. And, and some or other, a lot of Christians, even some of those sitting here this morning, uh, assume that because I'm following Jesus, God must fix all my problems up for me now. That's the problem with the theology of the prosperity message that is very common and propagated today in most Western countries and now seeping in to the East. And, and people are looking for a quick fix. And I wish I can give you that promise. But I can't because Scripture teaches me differently. And we are going to look at the life of Joseph and there's a verse in Scripture, if you can put this on the overhead, please. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. In my time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Wow, I don't like that. That's not a popular message, but it is a biblical one. And in this church, we can assure you that we try to the best of our ability to build our lives on firm foundations because when the storms come as they always will if you have a faith that is shaky and built on experiences alone and the prophetic alone you are going to be very discouraged it's got very quiet here so i know it's challenging in the life of Joseph, we see a fulfillment of that Isaiah prophecy. When the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Isaiah 60 verse 22. And, and, and then you ask yourself the question, if God has got the timing, why should I be praying? Valid question. When you pray, there is something that happens to you. Patience is not the ability to wait, but to maintain a good attitude during the waiting period. Now, you know, this comes out of a lot of maturity and experience. Uh, you don't learn it when you are in Sunday school, because uh, we live in a culture where we want everything and we want it now. If you apply for a job, you, you, you want it now. If, if you get the appointment, you want the promotion now. And we live in the now. And when you go to McDonald's and you have to wait two minutes in, in the line and you have two cars in front of you, your frustration begins to build up and you want to press that in the now. And sometimes, many of us, we think that God also operates in the now. Right? How many of you have learned that experience, Shelley? 
you learn it two ways, the easy way or the hard way. Okay, patience is building character into your life. And God is more interested in building character into your life than answering your prayer tomorrow morning. I've discovered that after 48 years of ministry. He will make all things beautiful in his time. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. And for some of us who are going through struggles, the most simplest thing we can do is to take 15 minutes and Google, which is the next best thing to graph cheese, God's timing. And you will be amazed at the amount of scriptures that come out on the timing of God. Joseph had to learn some principles. In Genesis 37, we know God gave Joseph dreams. And he was a young guy, about 16, 17, they say. Then Joseph, verse 5 of Genesis 37, had a dream and he told it to his brothers. He said to them, Listen to my dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and my sheaves stood up and remained standing. And behold, your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down. Oh, wow, what a dream to have. And, and I, I see a lot of young people, you know. Uh, oh, my gosh, my mind goes through a lot of young, And they're all excited, and, you know, they want to change the world, and, and they believe they've got this anointing. They might have the anointing, but they haven't yet learned to have character to carry the anointing. Two things. Two things. And I watched them 10 years later. And they don't look so anointed. What happened? They lack the character to understand how God works in time. And when you read your Bible, you find from time to time, God imparted by his sovereign will, purpose, and plan a vision for the life of somebody. But they didn't know how to nurture that vision, how to uh, steward that vision well. And then, boom, it's fallen apart. That happens not just in personal lives, but in ministry lives as well. When God gives us a vision, we have to learn how to articulate that vision with the focus on God, not on the eye. And we've all learned that lesson. So Joseph had two dreams. Then verse 9, he had another dream. And he told his brothers about it. He must have got up all excited, you know. He's the youngest in the family. And he said, Behold, the sun and the moon and the other stars were bowing down to me. Wow. And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in his mind. And then you come to another thing. Another principle. Don't use people to build your ministry. Use your ministry to help build people. Joseph had to learn first how to be the leader that people would follow. Wow. That's a learning experience in itself. 
Joseph was called by God. There is no doubt about that. God had placed his hands on Joseph's life in God's sovereign will, purpose, and plan. The background of this story is that Joseph was the son his father loved because he, the father loved Rachel, the mother. And Joseph was born into a dysfunctional family. And dysfunctional families are often full of strife. There are bad families. But by virtue of the fact that dysfunction flows from the head to the floor, you constantly see this tension of bickering and jealousy and envy and and they just can't seem to get along. And, and then you find some isolated families who, who seem to be a little more functional than the dysfunctional ones. And, and when you look at them, their whole approach to life is totally positive. When you come from a dysfunctional background, I know none of you are, but only in the other church, you carry baggage with you. And unless you learn to deal with the baggage at some point in life by being open and honest about it and decide for a change on the inside, you will end up in a place that God never intended you to. Dysfunction characterizes many of God's heroes. Joseph was one. Moses was one, David was one, and you see, hey, I'm not the only one dysfunctional. How many of you think you are dysfunctional? Only me. Wow. It doesn't make you a bad person. It means you are not functioning the way God intended you to be. Oh, but look at what I am. You, you, you know, in Australia, let's be honest. You don't need God to be successful. If you work hard, you'll be successful. Hello? That's reality. That's reality. But the fact that you have accumulated a lot of wealth doesn't necessarily mean you're functional. Your functionality is determined how you approach life and human relationships. And Joseph shared his vision in a way that offended his brothers. You know, he had this sort of entitlement attitude because five times in those verses, he uses the personal pronoun, me or I. And Joseph had to learn through some challenging experiences in life that destiny and purpose is not about you. It's about others whom God wants to connect to you. At the end of his life, he says, in Genesis 50, verse 20, 22, Now I know you thought to do me evil, but God turned it for good. So God can take your most painful experience and bring some good out of it. I know, because I've been there. Joseph didn't fully understand God's process and God's timing. 
God begins the process of changing situations around. That's what we call a divine intervention. In the natural order of things, what we are going through can't be changed. And we wish that God would lift the pain and the disappointment, but he doesn't. But he'll do so in his time. And when you come to the end of your life like I have, still, yesterday I prayed 10 more years, Lord. I want 10 more years. And God said, I'll give you 20. How's that? I'm going to be here for a while. I have a pastor friend of mine in, in, in Sri Lanka who, who, who is pretty old and, and he's, he's, he's built a rail uh, so that he can climb up to the platform. And you know what I did? I ain't going to build no rail. I've started doing stretching exercises. That ain't going to help me. I started doing stretching exercises to keep me going for 20 more years. He wasn't smart. I am. When you do stretching exercise, you get flexibility. Right? Some of you ladies need to do that. The, 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 the elderly ones, not the younger ones. Younger ones are agile. <laughs> I, there, there are people I know in Sri Lanka, they, they go to the gym, ladies, and then after that they come home and have a buriyani. Oh my God. And they are praying for God to do something. He can't. There's something that God can do, there's something he can't do, there's something he won't do. Maybe one person needs to listen to that. Okay, so Joseph shared his vision with the maturity that brought envy and jealousy of his brothers. And, and, and I, I picked out something from, from somebody else. Joseph had to learn first to be a leader that others would follow. And he had to keep a good attitude while he was waiting. And God was going to teach him this principle of patience. So Joseph has the vision. He shared it with his brothers. And their response was, they take him and want to kill him, but put him in a pit. Now, when people read that, they just pass through very quickly. You need to understand something about the pits that were operative in those times, in that situation, and the culture of a desert. Number one, in the pit, it says in scripture, there was no water in it. So it, it's so so easy to pass this thing by. Okay, in your hurry to get to the story of Joseph and the outcome, you can pass, but that's an important facet of the Christian life. Number one, even though life may be out of control from your perspective, God's grace is still operating in your life, though you can't see it. The pit had no water. You might be in a pit emotionally. But there's no water. And if you look at that reality, you can recognize the favor and grace of God is on your life, even though you think it isn't. The second thing about the pit is if a sandstorm came, Joseph is gone. In the desert, Things change in seconds, and very often there are sandstorms. 
they come so suddenly that if one came, the pit would have been covered up. And Joseph would have been history and his, we would hear of him no more. Even his bones wouldn't be found. The third thing is, in the desert, it rains suddenly and incessantly. And if it rained and there was a rainstorm, he would have drowned. And right through Genesis from verse chapter 37 to chapter 50, we don't have one recorded instance of God speaking to Joseph. That's shocking. I didn't realize that until I began to slow my approach to this whole story. God gave him two visions, and that was the end of the conversation, right? And there is no recorded instance of Joseph praying to God in that sense for deliverance and release. We don't know what went on in Joseph's mind. But the one thing I do know is this. When God positions you in a pit, you have a lot of time to process where your priorities lie. Lot of time. I know through experience there is nothing better than the school of experience to learn from. You can't learn these things from a theological institution. You learn them from life. And you begin to realize that God had divinely intervened in Joseph's life because while they put him in a pit there and sit down to eat, a caravan of Ishmaelites passed by. Wow. So this is the takeaway. God is in control of your destiny even though you think he isn't. The Ishmaelites were not an accident. They were part and parcel of God's way of bringing deliverance to Joseph and placing him on the next step in the ladder on his way to the palace. You see, in Joseph's young mind, he thought that the vision that God had given him is going up. No, in, in Australia, we are in one of the greatest countries in the world. That's my personal opinion, and I hold fast to that. You are free to disagree. That's up to you. And, and, and one thing we, we, we see here is get successful at any price. And we work hard to get to the top. And then when we get there, we realize we placed our ladder against the wrong wall. Because Jesus turned the pyramid structure of success downside up. That's hard on the ego for some of you guys. Oh, oh, no. We give to Oh, one person enough. 
that's a divine intervention. That's to keep my throat going. Okay, that's okay. Thank you. You won't be here doing it for long, but th thank you. Okay, so le uh, let's back get back to the message. Right. Uh, I used to think in my initial years that success is defined as climbing up the ladder and sitting at the top. And I have been at the top experientially. But then I also began to realize that from time to time God will shift that structure and understanding of success to get me down to the bottom so that I can become more like him. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you got to be servant of all. It's your, your problem. You brought me the coffee. <laughs> this is nice for those of you watching. You're doing a good job. Huh? These guys do a good job. Totally out of the box. But anyway, thank you. You clean it until it's shining. That's okay. I'll make sure next time I keep it somewhere there. Then I can reach out. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Okay. So here, entitlement attitudes don't die easily. Right? Joseph has developed an entitlement attitude because of his vision. He, he didn't understand this whole concept of vision. Now I have these young pastors, young church leaders. Oh, you know, I had this great big vision and they want to change the world. And Hey, change yourself first. Until you change yourself and your whole attitude of entitlement, God can't do much with you. Paul, the great apostle, says, I die daily. Death in me, Christ in you. This is totally against the culture of the world. And the culture of the world and the culture of the kingdom can't coexist together. One will push out the other. So Joseph is in the pit. And then the Ishmaelites show up and they pull him out of the pit. And they give him over to the Ishmaelites and they go and sell him in the house of Potiphar. And he was, he's a servant there. He is he, learning what it is to serve. He's in Potiphar's house. And the funny thing is this. Everything that Potiphar does, God blesses because of Joseph. Now here is the take for some of you who are constantly whinging about your employers. God can't bless you or bless them because of your attitude. I am amazed at how Christians complain. Maybe you should go to India and ask the premier there to send you to the moon on the next rocket he sends up. I'm serious. Attitude determines altitude. Attitude. In the most challenging of circumstances, Joseph works so well. He's a servant to Potiphar that everything that Potiphar does, 
God bless us because of Joseph. So look at your work ethic. Oh my God. Okay, I have to tell the story. I, 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 I was preaching in a certain church about 20 years ago. Then, you know, I, I, had, I was carrying less baggage than I am now and had more hair on my head. And, and uh, I, I was preaching and I can see in the center aisle there, somebody looking, you know, wow, you're anointed. That's very motivation. And so after the service, uh, the lady came and said, you know, some of you who are new must be thinking I'm carnal, but that's all right. Okay. Uh, he said, oh, pastor, that was so anointed. I really got everything from the message. And, and you, you know, you just rise up six feet high because your wife doesn't tell you that every Sunday. Oh, gosh, he's really sorry. Right. And, and, and then, and then uh, she, she said, look, where are you going? Uh, where can I drop you? I, I can drop you. The car is there. I said, well, Bible Society, upstairs, you know, it's like a prison there, but it's, it's still uh, home. And I looked at the car, and it's a brand new BMW. And I think, wow. And then suddenly I heard, heard a voice from behind me say, Pastor David, don't worry, I'll drop you. And I looked around, it was the pastor of the church, and I discovered she was divorced and very vulnerable. Saved by grace. I know none of you go through that temptation on the ass preachers. Okay. Why are you laughing so much? Yeah. Quite, quite a bit of that must have been happening to you. <laughs> okay. Divine intervention. Divine intervention. The Ishmaelites passed that way as a sovereign act of God. Joseph ends up in Egypt as a sovereign act of God. Joseph is saved from temptation only by a sovereign intervention of God. And Joseph leaves his court and runs. Wow. And that court of many colors was very personal to Joseph. But yet, he had to leave it behind. And, and in that story, you, you sense some of the integrity of Joseph that made God use him. Now remember, Joseph is the youngest. And in the Bible, God says the elder shall serve the younger. Wow. God is sovereign. He can reverse any order he wants because he is God. Pain and suffering are part of the Christian life also, although not very much talked about for obvious reasons. If you look at the life of Paul, Wow. And what he went through, what you are going through is nothing. And in Corinthians, he says, this is a light affliction for me. Wow. None of us will ever do what Paul did. 
And yet, when Paul looked at his Lord and Savior and the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross for our redemption, he said, this is nothing. Hebrews says Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Suffering is not a popular theme, but it, it operates right through the New Testament. Because sometimes we have absorbed into our belief system an Eastern cultural belief and religious belief that if something wrong is happening to you, you must not be right with God. That's a pagan belief. Just Google search the word suffer, pain. It operates right through the Bible. And yet, when Joseph is put in a prison by Potiphar, and iron enters his soul, says the psalmist, he flourished. In a prison for doing right, not for doing wrong. The sovereignty and grace of God and the favor of God is not limited to how well you do in life. The sovereignty and favor and the grace of God is defined on the basis of God's willingness to work with you to bring to pass what he has purposed in your life. You know, you might, you might think this funny. But I'll, I'll, I'll say this for those of you who, who have not been here, uh, uh, here for the first time. I became the Export Development Manager of Gibson Chemicals Limited in Cheltenham, which was the only specialized chemical company in the whole of Australia, not knowing chemical company, not knowing that H2O is water. So, sovereignty of God. When my managing director promoted me, I said, look, I can't do that job. I left school at year 10. Mathematics was impossible for me. Physics, what's that? Science, and, and, and the thing is this, if you load a truck with the wrong chemicals, Cheltenham will blow up. Not fun and games. So I said, look, I'm sorry. He said, what I have decided, I have decided. And every morning, I used to pray, oh God, don't let this happen. H114 and 120 and, and oxides and peroxides and you name it. I had a clue. But when God's hand is on your life and God's sovereignty is defined and you work with the right work ethic, everything falls into place. And God can make you successful without too much effort on your part. Be because you have decided in your heart, I am going to work as unto the Lord. That's the difference. So Joseph is in the prison and he has a dream. And then there's a butler and baker there. Uh, so, uh, sorry, the butler and baker have a dream and and then he interprets the dream, and then one guy forgets him. 
One is promoted, the other is at his head, head chopped off. And, and, and Joseph tells the guy who's promoted, remember me to Pharaoh. You know, put in a word for me. LinkedIn can't make you successful. Only God can. I'm not against LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn to promote the gospel. Nothing else. But I get requests from CEOs and DEOs. They, they want to befriend me. And I think, friend me? What can you learn from me? I can, you know, I can learn from you. And, and I began to realize that there's a scripture which says promotion comes not from the East or West, but from the Lord. And when you have a right work ethic, God will open doors for you. The two are connected. Joseph is in the prison for doing wrong, but the favor of God is on him and he doesn't know it. Because suddenly he gets promoted in the prison. God is not limited by your circumstance. If your heart is right and you keep doing what God wants you to do and stop complaining all the time about the bad situation and, and about the negative stuff, God can't do much with you. If there is one thing in Scripture God on us, it seems to be faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And then, why did God allow that to happen? When God wants to work something in your life, he will do it outside the human sphere so that he gets the credit. So you might be sitting here and you help somebody and you said, put a word for me. That's a very cultural, no? Very cultural. I have people ringing me all the time. I say, Pastor, can you put a word for me? I said, I can't, but God can. If God is engaged with, with you and you are engaged with God, you don't need a word from anybody. You don't need a word. God opens the door. When I went to Gibson Chemicals for an interview, it was, I think, Friday evening, about 3.30. I gave my CV there, and you know how in Sri Lankan culture we write long CVs, five pages. In Australia, they don't read five pages. They put it in the circle file. And, and, and I've seen CVs where they're attaching letters from members of parliament from there. I wouldn't want that. That's not going to get you the job. The guy took the CV and he said he start on Monday. He didn't read it. Because God was divine and there was an intervention. The person they wanted a staff member to work for was a Sri Lankan manager who had been here for a while, very famous rugby player. And so they needed somebody who could work with him. They interviewed a lot of people, but I was the only Sri Lankan. So the manager, a national manager, thought, one and one make two. And he gave me the job. And six months later, I resigned because I got a better job. And then he called me. And he said, if I had looked at your CV, I would have never, ever employed you. So that's why. He said, because I know you live. 
He said, I'll give you $5,000 more, I stay here. And that's good, cool. I stayed. Right? A year later, a year and a half later, I resigned again. He called me. He gave me $10,000. And in three years in this country, from 15,000, start, $15,000 a year annually, by 1987, I was drawing $35,000. It doesn't happen in the normal. But when God is involved with you and you have a right attitude and, and you have gone through those periods of testing and you stay committed to the pur purpose of God, even though you are in a pit, even though you are in a prison, God will come through. And trust me, that chemical company was like a pit and a prison for me because I had to do things in that place during the start of my employment period I've never done in my life. But God was using those times to shape character into me. And the pit and the prison became a learning experience. Now when I look, wow, we pass that way from time to time and, 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 and look back and say, how did we survive? Because of the grace of God. So God's grace is upon your life even though you think it isn't. And you might be in a situation that is absolutely and totally challenging and you don't know what the next step of God is. You just stay committed to him. You just stay committed to his purpose. And if God has given you a destiny and a promise, I, the Lord, will bring it to pass in my time. 1983, we wanted to pack up and come to, come to Australia because there was a door that had opened and uh, we were ready to jump on the next plane and get out. And, and I, I, I remember my pastor telling me, this is a great word of encouragement to come from a pastor, uh, but I will say it. He said, you know, look, you can't go to Australia because your house hasn't been burned down. Wow, that's encouraging. And there are pastors like that around, unfortunately. So I'm going to say, can I get my next door neighbor to do it? <laughs> Maybe it was the wrong use of language, but it, 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 it was very painful. Anyway, we were able to walk past that. And uh, we, we, we went to church and on a Saturday morning, and we decided the best thing to do to manipulate God and to move his hand is to fast and to pray, because that's what the Bible says. So we decided to start fasting and praying, sing three songs first. You know how uh, we, we do... Uh, our personal life, you know, he is Lord, he is Lord, only for a moment. And then, my eyes, I got the Bible with me uh, that I used uh, 40 years, uh, 38 years ago. I got a scripture from the book of Isaiah. I think it's somewhere in 24. You shall not go by haste, you shall not go by flight, but the Lord, your God, will go with you when you go. Somebody can Google that, you, uh, I, we can put it on the screen. Right, so I'm not teaching heresy. <laughs> I told her, it's not going to work out. Time me. The pastor of the church had gone overseas to do his studies, and so I was in charge of the church until he came back. And, and he said, June 30th, 1984, if you can, uh, I, I, you can go, then it's fine. Uh, but you, you won't be able to go because, you, you know, uh, the people who are getting passed to Australia were refugees, genuine refugees. Those houses had broke, 
burn down and they had to produce documents and we had nothing. So we thought we'll fast and pray. I'm not saying don't fast and pray. When you fast, fast and pray, you get a revelation from God about the, what the next move is. It is not magic. Fast, fasting and prayer is not magic. You get clarity from God about the next move. And the next move was, you shall not go by haste. You shall not go by flight. God cannot be more specific than that. But God will go with you when you go. So you know what we did? We just folded our Bibles and finished the prayer time. Went down to a little shop at the end of Nugego, the junction called Top Form. It still exists. Had something to eat and went home. This ain't gonna work until God's time is right. And and you know the whole complexity there because I I had to get seventy five points and if you don't get the seventy five points, uh, at the end of thirty nine years you lose fifteen points and you're back at sixty and around sixty points you can't migrate. You need seventy five and we were short of the fifteen and we are doing everything under the sun to get the fifty so we can take off. But when God says, in my time, I will make it happen, he will. And one evening, afternoon at three o'clock, I went into the office of my executive director, whom I loved very much. And there was the world map there. And I sensed, your visa has come. I'm still in office. It was the 28th of June. If I pass the 30th of June and go into July, it's not going to happen because my point status has gone down to 60. And with 60, I won't be passed. And I went home and there was a telegram. Come and pick up your visa because God says he will do it on his time. He will do it on his time. Not ours. So I want to encourage you today. So Joseph is in the prison. And suddenly, Pharaoh has dreams. And he's looking for an interpreter. Wow. And the guy whom he blessed says, there is a Hebrew in the prison. His name is Joseph. He interprets dreams. And so Pharaoh calls him. Oh, he's coming to the palace. But a period of time has elapsed between the dream and the palace. So while you might have dreams of the palace, keep dreaming, bro, it ain't going to happen only in God's time. You can try as much as you want. You can manipulate as much as you want. You can join every friendship program in the universe to get you to the top. But when you finally get to the top, it will only be by the grace of God and God alone, and you will recognize it as thus. And the other thing is this, 
when you get to the top, you don't want to be there because you're a broken man. And let me tell you, some of you young guys, don't pray to be broken. God will do it. So the one way out of brokenness is surrender. If Joseph had articulated his dream without this pride and sense of self-importance that we see so much in the church today. In the church, it's not outside, it's inside. And if we can take on the heart of a servant, not leaders, there is so much God can do with you. So much. God is looking for servants. And now Joseph is called to serve the highest in the land of Egypt. And let me tell you something. Egypt was one of the greatest civilizations of all time. And Joseph was placed in a place of great honor and favor. But it was only to serve others. It's not about Joseph. That's not an easy lesson to learn. But it's a necessary lesson. And God has a destiny for every one of us. We may not all be called to serve in the palace. We may not all be called to serve in the palace. But when you develop a heart of service and you make blessing others your first priority, there's no limit to what God can do in you and through you. There's no limit. I am enjoying one of the greatest seasons of my life. One of the greatest seasons of my life. And as I keep asking God to open doors of opportunity to serve, doors are opening on every side. At this point in time, I should be can still run and 100 meters can still manage that. You know why? Because the focus is different. When we come into the kingdom of God, we don't ask God, what can you do for me? We ask God, what can I do for you? And that changes everything. Joseph learned to forgive, release forgiveness, to the very brothers who hurt him and offended him. That's another valid thing in the Christian journey to destiny. I have seen too many Christians allow the hurts and the wounds of life to stop them in their tracks. And they don't go further with God. You know, if God is so good, why did this happen to me? That's the question they always ask. God is good, but people are bad. Bad things happen to good people in the Bible. But if you can lift your own spirit up like David did constantly and say, my strength is in the Lord and your foundation is firm and you stand in the power of that truth, then people's views, their opinions, their actions lose power over your life. Have you been, I can write a book on earth, but I have to make a decision from time to time. 
I'm going to shake this off. Because if I don't, it has power over my life and my destiny. And I don't want some lousy act of somebody to stop me from being the person that God wants me to be. So at the end of Joseph's life, he says, you know, brothers, you planned it for evil, but God can turn it for good now. And he releases forgiveness on earth. That's character. But the character came not at the start of the story. The character at the start of the story was very prideful, very indulgent, very in self, very self-motivated. But after all this processing in the pit and in the prison and all that stuff that he carried, he must have got rid of, he can stand before God as... And Pharaoh says, nothing, nothing. Everything I have will be in uh, Joseph says. Pharaoh, one of the greatest pharaohs of all time, influence. Destiny is about influence for the betterment of others. That's what destiny. Destiny is not about having a big platform. Some of the people who did the greatest works for God had absolutely uh, uh, no platform. Jeremiah preached for 20 plus years and had only two converts. But today we have the book of Jeremiah because of what he did. So I, th I think we got to get this success thing right downside up. I worked hard. Yeah, you have to work hard. We all do. But that's not the source of success. It's the favor of God. And you have to have the humility to see God. I am where I am by your grace. 